0: The Low Post is presented by Amazon Music. Did you know you could be listening to this episode of The Low Post ad-free on Amazon Music? And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post podcast on sweeps week in the NBA, where Bobby Marks, a wise man who has been in the NBA for a long time now, whose team has made a lot of deep playoff runs in that time, Years ago told me a lesson that always stuck with me. And he said to me, "When you guys start talking about the offseason and all the machinations and all the player movement that's going to happen and who might trade for who and who might go where, and you start doing that in February, March, April. Just hit the brakes for a second and wait for the playoffs, because the playoffs change everything for teams that fail, for teams that succeed depending, of course, on the manner of that failure and success, they can change everything because they reveal any issues, any fissures, any doubt, any self-doubt, anything like that, it will be revealed because the competition is too good, the lights are too bright, the pressure is too high, the stakes are too high. And that, I think, applies mostly to the Boston Celtics, who were absolutely obliterated by the Miami Heat in game 3 in Miami last night to give the Heat a 3-0 lead in the series. The Heat are on the verge of completing one of the greatest single season single season like in almost in like weather terms, like si- like spring turnarounds in the history of the NBA. They would be the second 8th seed ever to make the finals it would be tied with the 1978 bullets for, I think, the seventh lowest winning percentage of any team to ever make the finals. Several of those teams are from the 50s. Um, this team showed no signs that this was coming. I mean, I don't care who you talk to. I'm talking about people within the team. They were in New York here and there down the stretch. All they wanted to do was catch Brooklyn for the sixth seed and get out of the play-in, and they could not do it. They couldn't do it, and I don't think people around that team saw anything like this coming. There's no stats that indicated something like this might be coming. Their net rating with Jimmy and Bam on the floor was like plus four, a totally unremarkable plus four per 100 possessions, and they have obliterated Boston in this series. Um, I don't know. Like, It's funny, Bobby. On paper, and here's here's a piece of paper. You know how much this is worth in the NBA playoffs? Zero. By the way, you know, you know who had you know who's won the shot quality battle in this series, according to Second Spectrum? Who's had the better quality, uh, the higher effective expected effective field goal percentage based on who's shooting and how open the shots are? You know who's won that battle by a little bit? Who's that? Boston. (laughs) Congratulations to the Boston Celtics for winning the it's a make or miss league conference finals. You know what that gets you? Nothing. You're down 3 0. You get nothing. Uh, on paper, they would be probably, I would imagine, the best candidate in the history of basketball to come back from a 3-0 deficit. They have home court advantage, best net rating in the league, playing an eighth seed that had a negative point differential, and yet you saw that game last night. They let go of the rope in a way that is alarming, in a way that I think if they let it go again in game four, And even if they somehow win game four and let it go again in game, they have to stretch this to, like, six to change, I think, the internal dynamics of their team. And nothing they showed last night in game three indicates to me that they have a lot of life left in them. We'll see. You saw the game losing like that. And if this series plays out like that again tomorrow in game four, that's not just something you wipe. Or you live through this. That's not something you wipe away and say, you know what? We're good. Like the Brown Tatum thing has been successful for so long. We made the finals. We made the conference finals. We win every year. Missoula, he's young. He's growing into the job. We can forgive all the mistakes in the, uh, the team rotation identity confusion that has caused some clear issues within the team. Like we're good. We're fine. You don't come out of a series like this with that mindset. You come out of a series like this questioning if this is how it ends. Whoa. What's wrong with our team? So, Bobby, what'd you see? And I guess take us through the questions that Boston will face in the offseason vis-a-vis the new lead apron and all the new CBA and all that stuff. But but start wherever you like.
1: Well, I mean, what I saw was I actually thought there was a point in uh, in in game three where um i thought boston when they cut it to 61 49 i said okay here they come right here comes another run here but um, you did i didn't i did i just hey i'm just kind of hey when you have brown and tatum on the court and thinking like you know here it comes right there here comes a run um i just never i, I like when when tatum or and brown are on the court there's always some su- su- sense of fear I always feel, and I just didn't feel that last night. They were like almost humanized. I mean, everything from Jalen was short. Um, you know, there was no flow, certainly from the offense. And I th- and I think certainly, as you said, you hit it on the head. I mean, you let go of the rope. You let go of the rope in the middle of that second quarter when they went on that big run, and you let go of the rope on the um, the end. You know, basically, I guess once Jimmy hit that corner th- jumper, got fouled, um, and then that just kind of snowballed it here and. You know, I mean for me, it's like when I wrote the Celtics off season article um going into game seven, um, or I had actually had it written before game six in the ball, in the Philadelphia series here. I really didn't talk about the head coach. Um, I didn't really I didn't think it needed to be kind of talked about Joe Mazzulla as far as whether from a job security or if we should question him. But I actually I had to add it in there this morning, Zach, and in, the, in their off season here. And I know there's a lot of blame the to be at, at fault here. And it certainly starts with the players here. But my question for the Celtics here is that with a wealth of veteran coaches on the open market, okay, we've probably never seen this before with Nick Nurse and holzer and Monty Williams. And I even put Doc Rivers in there. I just because he's been let go of here. Like, and I know Joe has signed an extension in mid, uh, mid-February, mid got the interim tag, 57 wins, all that here. But is this the opportunity if Boston is willing to go in a different direction? Is this where they're going to look? And I know it's not in the DNA of Brad Stevens here, but when you lose how you did in game three, and we'll see what happens in game four. I mean, if you have another one of these game fours, or if, even if it's not a competitive game, I think it starts there. Like I wasn't willing to go there a week ago or two weeks ago but i think that's where i'm willing to go besides all the you know all the different roster stuffs that that we're going to talk about well you have one
0: person who's ultimately going to make that decision and that's wick grousepeck um who's courtside for all these games who's watching this up close who oversaw frankly not over not that it was his fault but he he oversaw an organizational coaching disaster a year ago with Emi doka being suspended and then let go with Will Hardy taking the Utah job. Damon Stoudemire goes and takes a college job. And all of a sudden, and and Joe Missoula is like a net loss of an assistant coach. He becomes the head coach, the youngest head coach in the league. And I I think that has shown itself in this series. And I don't think it's out of bounds to ask that question. Um, I can tell you the moment where I, I knew the game and likely the season was over for Boston. It was four four fifty was left in the second quarter last night. I don't know what the score was. It was like Miami by some teenaged amount. And Jalen Brown on an out of bounds play got the ball on the right wing with his feet on the S in Kaseya center, whatever the hell the new thing is that's not a crypto uh, currency. that's how far away from from the rim he was. He hold the ball. Who's holding the ball? Jason Tatum's curling around a pin down from I think Grant Williams. 15 on the shot clock, mind you. We're not in an emergency situation. And Caleb Martin, who has been the sec- like the second best player in the whole series, maybe the third best player, I guess Bam is probably the second best player, fights through the screen. Jason Tatum's not open. Everything stops. Duncan Robinson's over on Derek White in the right corner. They don't care. They went through the whole second quarter letting Duncan. Ro- Duncan Robinson could have sat in a beach chair in the right corner just chilling out on Derek White. They didn't use him just like they didn't use Kevin Love in the first six minutes of game two. And that's not to say that Boston was always aimless, always ignoring the mismatches. I thought last night they actually pecked at the right places for half the game, half their possessions. Guess what? Half ain't good enough when the other half is just frittering. Just frittering. So here's the frittering at 450 of the second quarter. Jalen Brown's got the ball. Caleb Martin fights through the pin down. Jason Tatum stops. Nothing happens. Nobody does anything. Jalen Brown looks around and says, 12 on the shot clock. F- I'm firing this 30 footer from the S on whatever that company is, Rick. And right then I wrote in my notes, they're dead. The game's over. Their offense is dead. They've stopped trying. They've let go of the rope. Can I tell you my theory of what's happened to the team? Yeah, let's go. If you look back and read the comments, particularly from Tatum, about Robert Williams, when Robert Williams came back from injury, and I think him he played 35 games this season, I think that was a huge deal. If you read Tatum's comments, that every time he comes back from injury, Tatum is like, on record, super strong, I want to play with Rob Williams. I start I want Rob Williams to start I love playing with Rob Williams our whole team's different with Rob Williams and the big lineup that got them to within two games of the title last year and all that and Joe Missoula just wouldn't play that group wouldn't play it and not until game six against Philly A series, again, before the series, dumb old me on this podcast was like, this is a great Rob Williams-Al Horford series. You put Rob Williams on P.J. Tucker, you have him rove. We didn't see it hardly at all till game six, almost too late. And it worked, and it saved their season. And I got the impression, as I said, after that game, that... Let's just say there was considerable internal debate leading toward the head coach finally pulling the trigger on that move. And you combine that with what I have said many times is the inexplicable mothballing of Grant Williams to the point that I've joked that I think he must be the guy in the office who steals people's lunches out of the company refrigerator and like eats three bites out of a sandwich and returns it. And they've discovered it on security cameras and just benched him. And now you come back and all of a sudden they're playing Grant Williams at center, a lineup they hate because they have no idea who to play anymore. I think the strength of Boston was its ability to play multiple identities, five out with Horford at the five. And that was where their offense, the only time their offense looked good in this series was in the first half in game one when they had a six or seven minute stretch in that look, and they were driving with purpose, attacking the right matchups with purpose, hunting mismatches, and hunting them with the idea of getting to the basket. And they just can't hold on to that mentality for any length of time. And it's been their marker now for two or three seasons, and we can talk about why. That was supposed to be a strength, their malleability, their their ability to metamorphosize from one identity to another. I think ultimately that turned into something that undid them from the inside, surrounding their big man and their big man rotation. And when you see the post-game interviews, and I'm not going to point fingers, Jalen Brown says, I think if there's if there's a coaching thing to peck at, you can talk about the timeout usage if you want. You can talk about the failure to get a shot off at the end of regulation in game four against Philadelphia. You can talk about their bizarre defensive alignment on that play that led to James Harden's game winning three. You can talk about the offensive meltdowns late in the game. How does Tatum not get the ball? That's on everyone. All that stuff is on everyone, including the coach. I think, I think, this is just my theory, a somewhat educated theory. I, I think their pull between different styles just kind of wore them out from the inside.
1: There was a point last night too where Grant Williams was in the game and they got took out. They took him out of the game, and I and I felt like he was saying to himself, and he actually had some pretty decent minutes. Like, are you effing kidding me? When he walked by Joe Missoula, like you know, like he's just like looking like, why, why am I the guy being taken out? And I think you look at the minutes last night, uh, Robert Williams, and I know this is you know certainly down big thir- minutes. Thir- thirteen minutes, thirteen minutes. 13 minutes, eight points, eight rebounds, six offensive.
0: And now, and, and in and in coach Missoula's defense, I don't think Robert Williams has been the same level of a defensive player at all this year. He's been last year he was A A plus. This year I think he's been B, B plus. This series, I think he's been B minus C plus. And that may be his injury related, chemistry related, whatever. He hasn't been the same defender.
1: No, I mean the, the same defender is what we saw in a little bit of game one, the home game here, um, where he had a great stretch, um, both on both sides of, of the the court here. And, um, as you said, like, you know, when this ends, whenever it is and you're, and you're right. I mean, like you could always say like, Hey, Boston could, could get game four. Now you go home, right. You're almost in that same, you know, all I got to do is worry about stealing a game on the road again. Like, but, I mean the reality is that this is likely going to end and then it now it brings into the big off season questions. Let's remove the coach, right? Like the coach part of it there. Like
0: You're not saying big, let's remove the coach like No, a, no, get no. Rid no, of the no, coach. no. You're no, saying let we that already discussion talked about aside. it. We already
1: talked about it. <laughs> no, we already <laughs> talked about the coach. Um that brings into the big off season the um you know questions here. I feel like I'm going to do books on tape here, but of course the short term, right? You got what is Grant Williams value to you? Right, that's the short-term approach as far as restricted free agent. The reality is, you sign him, you go deep into tax. Okay, you, you but, go
0: over, you go over the first oh, yeah. apron, correct? Oh yeah. You're way into, over it. Maybe you go, you go, Oh, yeah, way over the first apron here and so, go through next year. What restrictions that means for a team that's over the first apron, but let's say they duck the second one. What does that actually mean for Boston next year?
1: Well, I mean, the first and second apron really for this upcoming that you mean this upcoming off season to 2023, 23, 24. Yeah. So they're basically almost combined a little bit here where really, if you're a, uh, for trade purposes, first and second apron, same 110% salary you can take back in a trade. If you're over the second apron, okay, you can't use your tax mid-level exception, which is at $5 million. Um, you can't sign a player that is bought out of his contract, whose previous contract was more than $12.2 million. Okay. Um, so like that would have been like, like for example, um, the Heat this year would not have been able to sign Kevin Love. Okay. That's kind of an, an example there. Um the the teeth of the second apron starts in 2024 right like that is like those that is the pain that is when
0: you can't put salaries together that's
1: when you can't aggregate salaries that's when your draft pick gets frozen seven years out from trading that's where um you know uh, putting cash in a deal um there's all different um that's where like the clock starts as far as when your draft pick potentially could move back from into the late first round basically have to, has to be like three out of five years, but that's when the, the teeth of it is. So basically, Boston can go into the tax this year, they can go into the first apron, they can even go into over the second apron here. Okay. The financial ramifications are are big, right? I mean, they already paid $74 million this past year, franchise high. Um, that is going to be the number because remember. Although Brown and Tatum are extension eligible, Brown can sign this off-season, that's Supermax 295. That doesn't start until the 2024-25 season. Tatum can sign next year, and that doesn't start to 2025-26. So they're staggered here, right? So basically, you have this one-year window right now. Either you can get your finances in order, or you're basically going to say, this is who we are, or of course, you can start moving your pieces around, but- of course, the first short-term decision is Grant Williams. As far as how does he fit into your into your lineup? Because let's just say you you know you you don't qualify him, and I think you will send him a qualifying offer. You figure you know what the cost is too high. We're going to rely on Danil Gallinari as our. Our backup forward, right? If Gallon looks, looks great, by the he way, he does. I looks love this. absolutely impeccable. The suits, I love. I need. I love those suits. And I'm not even being facetious. No, like, he looks I, good. I get
0: Distracted for like a minute of every Boston game, being like, "Man, what's Danilo
1: wearing tonight? That looks fantastic, unbelievable." So you have him, who's got a player option, and the likelihood is that he's going to opt in because he's been out all year. Um, So if you figured out that that's your guy, then you basically you know, you still would have that $5 million tax mid-level and you got the veteran minimum to bring back to to that roster. So priority one is figuring out as far as Grant Williams, right? Like that's the reality of it. Now, the second one, and and I wrote about it here, is is that um, they have to decide with two players earning more than $600 million. When you look at Brown and Tatum, is the roster sustainable to compete for a championship long-term? Like that is the, under these current rules, that is the million dollar question here. When you look at the future of Brown and Tatum, I think it is like, I think it is because how your books are aligned, where you basically have Horford, Robert Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Marcus Smart you have players who are earning less than $22 million, right? Like they're good contracts here. Now the question comes into when Tatum's number hits, because then that's like, you know, that's a big number. That's 2025, 26 year when you got Tatum Brown. And then all of a sudden guys start coming off your books here. Like ha- like the, the CBA, how it's written, Zach, is that it forces you to basically kind of retain. If you have good players, your role players here, you can have these two main max guys here. The problem is towards the later of their years, as far as when these extension kicks in, when Smart gets older, when Brogdon gets older, when um, Al Horford eventually comes off the book, what is left to add around these two players?
0: So their track record speaks for itself, right? There is part of you that's like, don't panic. We were two wins away from a title last year. Back in the conference finals this year. Is Jimmy Butler just... Prancing and dancing and taunting and sneering all over us and breaking any defense that we throw at them. Yeah, it's not going great. But we're we got pretty deep again. Not in the most convincing fashion against Philadelphia. And and really, the the bigger story for Boston since game two of the Hawks series, they came out the first two games like a team with purpose, a team that worthy of wearing the unfinished business T-shirts that they've been wearing on the sideline, a team that we've been waiting for this. Since then, their defense has been bad. They have allowed 115.4 points per 100 possessions since game two of the Hawks series. That would have ranked like 23rd in the regular season. Some of that is hot shooting. And really, a lot of this series is that the Heat are 44 of 92 on threes and the Celtics are 31 of 106. Due to the percentages, it's like high 40s, 29. Tatum and Brown are seven of forty combined on threes, but their defense just hasn't. It just hasn't been good. It hasn't been good. It's been dotted with weird mistakes to varying degrees in every game. When they play a pretty clean game on defense, they usually win. They haven't played one in this series. Game two, as they as they as they fall out of that game, the real what turns out to be the real pivotal game of that series. They lose. Caleb Martin on a back cut. They lose Duncan Robinson. Tatum lost him once, um, and I can't remember who lost. Derek White got smashed by a pick the other time. Rob Williams was too low. They lose him on threes. They can't figure out the Butler thing at all. They're just giving the Derek White switch every single time, just giving it. They don't hedge. They don't recover. Then they don't know whether they should double or not, and we'll talk about that later because I think the Heat Spolster has been like on super genius level in this series a step ahead. But their defense just hasn't been – it just hasn't been good enough, but the, the Jalen thing, you know, if I'm looking at a stat that's, that's interesting to me and I'm making this decision for Boston. And I think this series, if it goes out this way, and like I said, on paper, they're the best candidate ever to come back from three Oh paper doesn't get you anything, but you know, whatever, it's not totally out of bounds. I think it's mostly out of bounds. Um, I think this series has turned that into from an e- from an easy decision into one that you have to think about. And the stat that I look at is Tatum in this series, eleven assists and twelve turnovers. Jalen Brown in this series, ten assists and eleven turnovers, many of which are puzzling, pinned it on his hand injury, whatever. His assist to turnover ratio for his career, regular season and playoffs, is about one to one. And I think facing a staunch, dialed in super smart, and super versatile defensive team in the Heat who can throw different styles at you when you don't expect it, who has one of the five best defensive players in the NBA and Bam Adebayo anchoring it, Um, and uh, just a roster that is so locked in and so high IQ. And by the way, I think one of the interesting subplots of of what happens if they win this series is I think Tyler Hero's injury might have actually helped them. Because now they play lineups with a maximum of one guy you can really hunt on defense and a minimum of zero. And not only that, I I think if your best offense is give the ball to Jimmy Butler all the time, Tyler Hero's added value on offense, the end where he's a positive is just not as high as it is if you're playing a more egalitarian style and maybe they'll need that here and there against the best teams. They haven't needed it though. If your offense is all Jimmy, I, I don't, I don't, think it's crazy to say that they've been better without hero. Um, but back to the playmaking, I, I think facing that kind of defense is just laid bare again. Tatum's a four, four or and a half assist guy. Jalen, I just gave you the assist to turnover. Smart is their best playmaker, and they don't want the ball in his hands all that much because he's not as good as the other two guys. And even like, like you see, like they're blitzing with Cody Zeller. They're blitzing with Cody Zeller. And they're just, you just don't see these artful, like, okay, the blitz is coming. Let me whip it to this shooter on the wing. And he'll whip it to Rob Williams rolling into the paint. And the, you just don't see those. What you see is they dribble backwards and Tatum lobs these little lollipops into Robert Williams, who has to catch the ball at the foul line. He's an okay passer, mostly from the elbows in a standstill situation and has to like make a play against the defense that's nailing all the rotations. And that that's just not good enough. And I think the playmaking deficit that has reared its head in this series is why just my gut, Bobby, I don't think it's automatic that they're just giving Jalen Brown the supermax. And if it's not automatic, you know, the next step from there, like there's not going to be, I don't, I still don't think there's going to be like a friendly negotiation where it's like, well, you take a little less this and that, that's just my gut. They're still in shock. They're still dealing with the series. I don't think that's an automatic decision anymore. And if it's not, and that brings to the other thing that we, like we haven't mentioned yet. I think that Durant thing that came out last summer with Jalen being reportedly, according to The Athletic, in, a, in an article that the Celtics really pushed back hard on, put into Durant talks, maybe that's just not a thing you ever get past. I don't know. I'd said a lot of stuff, Bobby. You say stuff
1: no. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, hey, listen... You know, five for whatever the number comes out to based on a cap, let's say 295. Like if that's offered to Jalen Brown, I think he signs it. Now the question is, do they take an approach like Utah did with Rudy Gobert? Right? Like just because you're supermax eligible doesn't mean you have to get the whole 35%. The only the only mandate is that has to be a total of six years, including what's left on your contract. So for Brown, he'll enter with one year left on his contract. It has to be another five years as far as the extension. If with it's Go- over, if it's over 30%. Yes. Of the cap. With, exactly. With Gobert, they didn't give him the whole 35%, right? Like there was a read there, I don't know the exact number, but it was it was far less than what Joel Beads, or I think it was Giannis that he signed for as far as the Supermax. So that's my question. Let's say if they offer him five for two sixty. Does he sign it, right? That's going to be the interesting debate here. And as you, as you said, like, like if uh, like if we're if they're not sure, if they're not comfortable, now what's the alternative, right? Like you can't have a player on an expire like well, the you deadline. Know, but the, you know, oh, I know because the deadline is October twenty third, as far as before when he can sign it. So it's not like this is going to linger all season here. Like so. I think where what 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 what's happened is that the rules, like um, you know, the supermax, goes out the window. If he's tr- ever traded, um, he won't be able to sign out with a new contract. But still, the number is pretty high. I think it's like five for two fifty as a free agent. I think it's a forty million dollar le- a loss compared to what he can sign with Boston compared to what his new team, if he was traded to that team. Um, so that's going to be you know that sets in that sets in you know motion. Um, a lot of different things here because as I said, I think if five for two ninety-five is on the table, he signs it. But if anything less, then I think it's gonna then there's going to be a um there's gonna be some type of a negotiation here.
0: And it may not go well.
1: Yeah, it might not go well.
0: Let me tell you this, despite the fact that Jalen Brown's warts have been on display in this series, he's averaging 16.7 points a game, is two of 20 from three uh four of Miami's starters are averaging more points per game than he is four of just the heat starters, not great there would be robust demand for Jalen Brown from a lot of teams if Boston ever actually started making or listening or picking up the phone or whatever you do with your phone when you want to tr- maybe investigate trades. you pick it up you you send texts I don't know what the hell everyone no one ever makes outgoing calls but it's always always incoming calls just listening um By the way, another thing about the Heat, this is like they're shooting 39% on threes in the playoffs, which is like high, but it's not crazy. It's not insanity, right? It's not insanity. It's not 43%. I don't know what deal Pat Riley made with the basketball gods. The reason it's 39% and it doesn't look in the aggregate like some outrageous hot shooting streak is because they slumped against the one team they could afford to slump against. And that's the Knicks against the Bucks and the Celtics. They've shot lights out. It's like, what kind of deal has Riles made
1: with the basketball gods? Um, Any other thoughts on the Jalen Brown thing? No, I mean, it's, I mean, like, you know, Tatum is certainly the following year, but I think Brown basically, you know, as I said, I mentioned Grant Williams, but Brown dictates your off season, right? Like that kind of, that makes it as far as there's a lot of different directions that, um, that you go with if he's resigns to extension and certainly that opens up. Yeah. And I agree with you, even on an expiring contract, his value would be off the roof because I think that team out there would be willing is going to know that they're going to have to commit five for whatever two fifty as a, as a free agent here. I mean, he's certainly extension eligible um, but that's at a lower number here. Um, but just going back to the heat, I know, I know you talked about them. Like the, the, the amazing part is, is, And I've always said I've said this since I've written I wrote their article off season going into that Chicago game which wasn't a positive one you know (laughs) I was at a party what in uh in uh, I was at a my with my son at a party and um that Chicago game's going on I'm thinking they're done right I'm gonna go home do a video we're gonna put out the Heat article and it's basically the theme was does it does the cost of the roster justify the product right like that's the thing I mean you look at right. Um, 25th and this is regular season, 25th in offensive efficiency, 27th in three point percentage. And they lost to Atlanta lethargically in that plane game. Okay. But to be fair, 26 different starting lineups that Eric used during the year and 200 289 games missed by heat players, second most in the NBA. So I'll, to be fair here. What are they top three in offensive efficiency and top four and three point shooting? During the I playoffs? I don't know, man. I they're, mean, just, like it's just, just it's it's unbelievable. And I agree with you on the Tyler Hero point here. Like it's basically you get to a finals, it's almost gonna be like break glass in case of emergency based on different settings here, but and whenever we do put out this heat article here, like for them, like for always, I know we're talking about my, about Boston, but for me, it was always about like, oh my God, you're going to have to find a home for Kyle Lowry and you're going to have to move Duncan Robinson for, um, to bring back Vincent and, and Max and stuff. And now it's like, well, no, you really don't. Because as we said in the Boston, um, talking points the basically the teeth of it doesn't start till 2024, you can wait till Kyle's e- expiring contract comes off the book and you'll be okay financially with that group.
0: Like I haven't even gotten over the Bucks series yet. And the conference finals just started. Like we had this marathon second round full of incredible matchups and incredible storylines. You breathe, Ooh, okay. Let's dig into this conference. It's like they're over. What happened? We're gonna are we gonna have 10 days off before the what am I gonna do? Well, I'm gonna do a lot of work and I'll travel and I'll get to the finals ahead of time, but like I'm behind on succession. I, I my daughter's got soccer practice. but maybe I can go to some soccer kick around a soccer ball. I almost injured myself playing soccer with her in the front yard. I tripped over a root. There's a root sticking up in our yard. It could have ended. It's only a matter of time, Bobby, before I snapped the Achilles. It's coming. I'm too old for this. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. Because of the eBay Motors, you're burning a rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let us come now in praise of the Miami Heat. Their defense against Boston, if you just watch some of these possessions, they are so good at... Tatum gets the ball against a matchup that he wants, or Brown gets the ball against a matchup that he wants. Everyone's bouncing on their toes, flashing like a little flash toward the nail. Ooh, just a little flash toward the nail and flash back. Down the low man in the paint. One foot in the paint, one foot out, arms spread wide. You, you, you fake this way, he goes this way. Ball's out, they're rotating with the flight of the ball, and like they're on time. They foist uncertainty onto you when they are locked in like this, because you just see these flashes of bodies like that little driving lane appears. Oh no, it's not. That little driving lane appears open over here. No, it's not. What about that pass? Oh, that that's not open. They are so locked in that they just make you hesitate and think. And as soon as you think something's there, it's not, and it's not, it's not groundbreaking, you know, um, secret sauce defense. It's just really good defense that has made Boston indecisive and confused. Um, and on offense, the level of speed and urgency, which with they do every, with which they do everything, stands in such contrast to the Celtics. Every screen, every cut, every handoff. Caleb Martin is the poster guy for this. Everything is full speed, catch and drive. No hesitation. Just the ball is in his hands. It's it's meeting his fingertips, and he's already in motion on the way to the basket to make the next play. They do not stop ever. And they know that they have the Jimmy offense, and then they have the everything else moving around stuff offense. And when they go into that route, they got to do it with urgency to make it work. Can I give you my favorite example from last yes. night's game? yes. Nine minutes left in the second quarter. Derek White, Jason Tatum, pick and roll on the left side of the floor. Gets a switch. Hooray! Duncan Robinson's on Jason Tatum. 15 on the shot clock. Jason Tatum says, screw it. I'm just taking the three over Duncan Robinson. Could I attack the paint? Could I see something else? Maybe. But I'm taking the three. You live with it. It's Jason Tatum. But the thing with the Celtics is, Bobby, can you give me a second or third action a little bit more often? Can you get me into multiple actions and they just let go of the rope on that? Miss. Kyle Lowry rebounded. You know what Kyle Lowry's doing on a rebound. I am sprinting the ball up. Boom. Shoom. Hit ahead to Caleb Martin on the right wing. What does Kyle Kyle Lowry do after throwing that pass? He sprints at Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin pitches him the ball right back. It becomes a pick and roll. Boston is like, we just missed a shot. What the hell is going on? Two guys swarm Lowry. Caleb Martin slips to the rim. There's like 18 or 19 or 20 on the shot clock. Boston doesn't even know what's hit them. Caleb, Low- Caleb Martin slips to the rim. Lowry passes it to him. He's in the paint. He's open. Here comes the help. One dribble, pass out to Gabe Vincent. What does Gabe Vincent do? Does he pause for one second? No. Does he do the thing you expect him to do, which is either shoot or dribble? No. Pass fake. Pass fake. The entire defense bites on the pass fake, he- and then he shoots a three, and it goes in. And it's just like, bam, 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 bam. That's the offense. Uh, The other thing on the offense is, I mentioned this, um, they're getting the Derek White switch, right, on Jimmy Butler. And in game two, he just clowned everybody, Derek White, Grant Williams, whoever. Same play over and over again. Give Jimmy the ball on the right right side of the floor. Clear everyone else out to the left side. And I'm watching game two, and I'm watching him just embarrass everybody, give people the two small, and one after and one. No help comes. None. No doubles. No help. No, none of these flashes we're talking about with Miami, not even a dig, not even a wave, not even like a mean face is made at Jimmy Butler from afar. No one, just give me one of these, like taunt him something, nothing. And I'm watching that game and I'm like, man, all four of those heat guys are like right next to each other on the left side of the floor. You could pretty easily send one guy toward Jimmy, one defender toward Jimmy and the three other guys can zone up between those four guys because they're right next to each other. Guess who else had that same thought? Eric Spolstra. And he knew in game three, help is going to come. So there's one possession. I can't remember when it was, second quarter, first quarter. Same thing. They get Derek White on Jimmy Butler, right side of the floor. Iso, four other Heat players onto the left side of the floor. Here comes the help. Bam out of bio, cuts across the entire baseline toward the ball, toward Jimmy Butler, and sucks Al Horford and another defender with him because they're like, whoa, they didn't do this last game. And all of a sudden, the zone-ups don't work anymore, and Caleb Martin's wide open for a three. And they pulled that same thing two or three times, someone cutting all the way across the court toward the ball to confuse Boston's defense clearly intentionally. Clearly, they anticipated exactly what Boston was going to do and what their adjustment was going to be. Pre-planned an adjustment to confuse them, and it worked. It worked. And when people say things like Eric Spolstra's coaching circles around Joe Missoula, they often don't really have any thing that they can point to. That's one you can point to. They were ready for that and they have just been on it, man, on both ends of the floor. They are winning this series. We talked about Boston a lot because the implications for them are huge because it looks like we're going to have another two or three weeks to talk about Miami. That's why Boston led this podcast and we'll lead all these other podcasts because this is a disaster. The heat, are snatching this series on both ends of the floor with brilliant, locked in. Th- can you think of one Heat defensive mistake in the last two games off the top of your head? Can you think of one?
1: No, I mean, and there, in the, there's one play last um, on Sunday night that that stood out. Basically, I think it was Tatum on a fast break. He basically had three Heat players on him. He had Gabe Vincent on his hip, basically, and and the ball wound up going out of bounds but that that showed you i mean like they're not giving up anything and i think for offensively if you watch eric smolstra on the sideline he's like a third base coach like he's winding the arm right like let's go like get like let's go let's 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 move and i think the only time they kind of fall into a little bit of a trap and it, it happened at the end of the second um second uh, quarter was they went jimmy iso three like basically i think two or three times in the corner there um you know, certainly the one at the end of the quarter here. And like, that maybe sometimes when he, when, you know, but that's kind of, they basically have two, as you said, they're basically two different offenses, right? Like when you're, we're going to go, right. We're going to go, Jimmy, we're going to mismatch, post them up, or we're going to spread it out. We're going to put shooters around. We're going to move the ball, pick and roll. We'll do any, We we'll get bam involved, pick and roll. Right. Um, So yeah, they've basically have beaten you. And they basically just suck the life out of you. That, that's like they make you tap out. I mean, and that's what you're seeing in this Boston series.
0: They give you nothing easy, nothing. The resurrection of Kyle Lowry, the resurrection of Duncan Robinson. But most of all, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler sat on that podium last year and said, we're going to be back here and we're going to get the job done. And 82 games, 84 games into this season, It was like, man, that was kind of funny that he said that. And he repeatedly said, we're trying to win the championship. We're here to win the championship. And I believe like a week or two ago, he said, I'm the best player in the world. I'm the best player in the world. Something to that nature. Regular season stats, they don't show he's the best player in the world. They show he's a top 10 player for sure. He is the, I wrote in November of this year, he's the most underappreciated superstar in the NBA. No negative plays, no fouls, no turnovers, no bad defensive possessions, all positivity all the time. In the playoffs, at the highest level, has he been the very best player in the league? It's him, or it's Jokic, or I I guess you go back to Devin Booker for a bit. Like he is backing up every every bit of those words, and it's just relentless. It never stops. And he got injured. He got injured against the Knicks,
1: and he's like just shook it right off. No, I mean like you know when Jimmy signed that that max. I guess it was two years ago. Like we always thought like, man, this thing's not going to look good at <laughs> the end. Right. Just based on where he, you, know, his, can his body hold up and everything. And for him, and it's basically like maintenance. Like I always go back and look, watch that video of him and Spo going at it, which is one of the great videos of all time. Right. Like, if, that was you know, this season, was it this year? I thought I it was think last so, right? year. I think it was last year. I don't know. It doesn't mean there's probably, three um, which is one of the great videos of all time. But basically it's like, for Jimmy, it's like maintenance, right? Like maintenance during the regular season, 60, 65 games, get him through here, kind of pick your spots. And as I always said, like, it's almost like we saw with Kawhi back in 2019. It's like a marathon sprinter, right? You kind it of was just, last season, by the way, was, a, yeah, you basically, he's kind of like a pace runner here and he knows like, this is, you know, this is his time here. And he has the ability. The beauty is he has the ability to take over, um, and with this Heat team, if he doesn't take over, it's similar to what we saw a little bit of De- with Denver, certainly the other night, where um, we've seen it throughout the series is where it doesn't have to be always Jokic. It could be Murray, it could be Porter, it could be Gordon Brown, KCP. That's kind of the same. That's the same thing with this Heat team.
0: Just an unbelievable, an unbelievable playoffs. I still, I still like the Heat are one win away from the NBA finals. It's
1: unbelievable.
0: Ke- Kevin Pelton just sent me a note. They were whatever, whatever odds he's using. I don't know exactly which sports book it is. At the beginning of the playoffs, they were 125 to one to make the finals. The longest shot in recorded odds history to make the finals was 100 to one at the stage at the beginning of the playoffs. It's the 81 Rockets who were under 500 and made the finals and lost to the Celtics. Just like Miami, 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 Miami. LeBron left in free agency, by the way. Hey, but just, just remember this. Do you remember? Well, you how- know what, you
1: know what, Eric, you know what Eric bolster said really that stood out and basically why this is, you know, sustaining. He talked about it last week when, um, all these coaches were getting let go. And he's like, basically like we haven't had to reset the culture. And I know the word culture gets thrown around a little, a lot but they haven't had to reset it in 15 years or 14 years from whenever he became coach. You know, it's not like one of these places where you go and you hire a coach. And then four years later, you're turning it over again. Um, basically most teams are, have gone through three coaches and he's been there. The the length of it, like they know who they are. I mean, that's kind of the reality of it. Well, the one time they
0: really had to do it. And I wrote this ahead of the 2020 finals in the bubble. It's the greatest. It's it might be the greatest organizational turnaround that I've ever seen in the modern NBA when they went through that post LeBron and post Wade and post Bosch with the um what do you call it? The embolisms. I can't remember what the 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 blood clotting issue. Yeah. Yep. Um and they they kind of were stuck with like the waiters, white side contracts. Justice Winslow wasn't really popping. Josh Richardson was topping out and it just looked like they had picks out the door from the Dragic trade and Dragic was in decline. And it just looked like, my God, the heat are stuck in the mud and decision by decision. Bam's the 13th pick or whatever he is. Heroes, the 14th pick or whatever he is. They somehow trick everybody into trading Jimmy for Jimmy Butler. um, And they lift and they have all these undrafted guys who all hit somehow. And, They went in a blink from where is this team going to, oh, they're in the finals. And now they're going to be maybe in the finals again, probably in the finals again, after being one shot from the finals last year. It's just an incredible, incredible thing. And you just have to remind yourself every day. And I wrote about it at the time. One of the legacies of the Supermax is going to be that the Chicago Bulls with Jimmy Butler at like age 26 decided voluntarily. Of their own volition. And yeah, Jimmy was a hothead, and he didn't get along with Fred Hoiberg, and he was calling everybody out left and right. The Bulls voluntarily said, we don't want to be in the Jimmy Butler business anymore. This is too big of
1: a contract for us. I remember when you wrote about it. I remember It was when, to Minnesota. Yeah.
0: It yeah. doesn't work out. They have to trade him because he's leaving. He hates yep. everybody there. The, the, the story of the practice is just becoming a, a legend goes to Philadelphia, they semi-voluntarily get out of the Jimmy Butler business. Joel Embiid has an emo moment about it like once a week in public, and they choose Ben Simmons and Brett Brown over Jimmy Butler. Essentially, right? Like Jimmy had a role in that too. He wanted to get to Miami, He got to Miami, but there was a way to reconcile that. The best Sixers team that they've had probably in this whole run, neck and neck with this year's team, got got to literally the exact same game, lost in much different fashion. By the way, for everyone burying Jason Tatum, he did have 51 points in a game
1: a <laughs> week ago. It's like a it's week like ago.
0: Yesterday. Um, it's just I I just my brain is firing in 19 different directions. I just I can't believe it's 3-0 heat. It's also 3-0 Denver. Do you want to talk about Denver? Let's go. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge. And experience to answer your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer call or click granger.com or just stop by spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days it's also the best time to either take a new look at your fitness routine dial on up a notch and continue powering on peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay, full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. With a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com.
1: Denver! The only team I have not written, Zach, out of the 29, out of the 30 teams, I have not touched the Denver Nuggets offseason. I haven't had to. I said last Friday that game to win.
0: For the Nuggets at home. And game one was close too. LeBron had that tying three that just rimmed out. That game two win felt like a capital M moment. And I said this last week because they came, the Lakers had that game at their pace, at their style, up 10, up 12. Even the series to split come back to LA and the Nuggets roar back. And Jamal Murray goes berserk. And then it gets tight. And they don't score. I think they scored two points in like four and a half minutes late in the game. And, the, and Michael Porter has the bizarro turnover where he steps over the baseline. And the Lakers are creeping back into it. And Every team, when they get to this stage, when they realize we're about to get somewhere we've never got before, has that moment where they get tight and they either lose that game and the whole series flips or they gut it out and they feel better about themselves. And they gutted it out and then they went to L.A., and With Jokic in foul trouble in the third quarter, survive the Jokic minutes on the bench and obliterate the Lakers in the fourth quarter. With Jokic dominating the game in every possible way post ups, cuts, inverted pick and rolls with Jamal Murray as the screener, and win by you know 11 or whatever they ended up winning by. And they're up 3 0. And they've just been better, they've just they've been better than the Lakers. And you know what, they play tonight in nine hours. We'll see if tonight's a Denver Nuggets a coordination um i think lebron has tried his best to summon what he has as, as a pick and roll ball handler as a bully ball guy is and the nuggets have gotten better and better and better as the series has gone on about getting jamal murray out of that mismatch avoiding that jamal murray mismatch anthony davis has had two good games in one mag game supporting cast for the lakers has been up and down as it as it tends to be the nuggets have just won these games i mean is what has stood out to you about about their play in this series
1: in general I mean, you know, of course, the Murray play is going to stand out, but I mean, I think it's just for me, it's the role players. I mean, it's and I look back on, you know, it's so hard to add to the back end when you have Jokic and you have Murray and you have Porter, three max guys. Um, Bruce Brown, I mean, he he's been a pain in the butt to the Lakers. He's he's been a thorn to them. I think KCP, what he's been able to do. I think Jeff Green. Certainly here. I think like the role players have played a.
0: Well, they closed um, game three with, with uh, Bruce Brown and Jeff Green over KCP and Aaron Gordon.
1: 94, 93 Lakers up one, right? That's what it was. Four threes in a row. I think Denver hit one Brown, one KCP two in the corners here. I mean, that just basically opened it all up here. And so for me, like that's like this Denver team is not, is beyond one dimensional. It's beyond two dimensional here is that. There's just so many different ways that they can um that they can beat you. And 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 from for their coach, you know, Michael Malone, like he's not willing to let their guard down at 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 one bit here. That's why I'm expecting them when they come out on for game four, um, you know, to try to not put this have this game go back to game five in, in Denver here. But man, they are a fun team to watch. And it's, you know, the beauty of it is, you know, we watch it all year. Like we've seen, like this team has been, I know there was some little bit of, you know, some slumps here and, and during the regular season, but I mean, his team has been good here and it's basically the team. And I know some of the players are different before Murray got hurt. And I think it was, was it golden state where he hurt his knee? Late um, no, April Yeah. 2021. And they had done the Gordon trade because the trade deadline was in March that year. And he had Aaron, I think for eight games and they were good. I mean, this team was good with when they post Aaron Gordon trade and it's, it's for me it's similar to that group back then you know without you know KCP and without you know Bruce Brown here but what's what's also stood out is that this team's not going anywhere right like the starting fives under contract for um you know for next year now you've got to figure out like you know some of your kind of key role players and that's a story for another day here but the, build, the roster is built, you know, the roster is built for a long, it's expensive, but the roster is like, you can justify that cost when, when those, you know, your core guys are playing at that high level.
0: It just, they've just, I picked the Nuggets in six in this series. I've been a Nuggets true believer for a long time. I wavered. I admit that I wavered and I picked the Suns over them in the second round, four, two or four, three. I can't remember. I think Suns in seven Um, was wrong. I, I overreacted to their to denver's month-long swoon then the season um obviously didn't anticipate chris paul getting hurt but it is what it is i picked that series wrong but i've been a nuggets guy for a long time picked him to win this series as most people did and you wouldn't know it from michael malone's public comments but most people did um none of this is surprising to me none of what's happened in this series is surprising to me it's too late now probably because i don't you know it would it would be pretty hard for the, the Lakers don't have home court and the Nuggets have not lost at home this entire playoffs. I just thought, and I said this on Friday, I was going to ride or die with Schroeder, Reeves, Hachimura, LeBron yeah. Davis. I was going to start it. That'd be my lineup. And I'm going to overplay it if I have to because D'Lo isn't good enough defensively and isn't bringing enough offensively. And if I see him screw up in transition defense again, I'm going to throw my laptop out my office window. By the way, 71-71, game three, must win for the Lakers. They come back, they tie it at 71 with Jokic on the bench. I, if you want to freeze a moment of that game, you picked one when it was 94-93. 71-71, all the momentum Lakers. Jokic foul trouble. Bruce Brown gets two straight transition layups. A, sink, a, a Bruce Brown solo 4-0 run to kind of right the ship Give them back the lead that they held for a long time. One of them, the second one, D'Angelo Russell runs a pick and roll with Bruce Brown on him. Throw, I believe Bruce Brown was on him. I'm not 100% sure. I rewatched it this morning. I already forgot. Throws a cross-court pass, terrible pass. KCP picks it off. Here come the Nuggets. Bruce Brown just... Like, D'Angelo Russell is ahead of Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown just runs right by him. You know why? Because D'Angelo Russell, for like the 19th time in this series... He's like, well, I'm not supposed to be guarding Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown belongs to somebody else. I'm going to look for my matchup. Bruce Brown goes in, and gets a layup. It's like, man, what are you doing? You know what it's we... like?
1: You know what it's like when I like when I'm teaching seventh and eighth grade basketball and we and I say, you know what, we're going to play man to man. And then all of a sudden, like Johnny's man goes down the middle and like he and like the guy like like all of a sudden the guy who's playing center, like let, let's. I'm like, why didn't you pick up him? Oh, no, no. My man is over here. No, no, no. You got to like, you know, you got to pick up your man there.
0: And the Vanderbilt thing, I would start Hachimura over him and I'd start Schroeder over Russell. And it's not a great shooting lineup, but it's better than anything with Vanderbilt in it because the Nuggets, have the, the longer this series has gone on, the more conservative they've gotten on defense. We're just going to drop Jokic back in the pick and roll. And we're going to do that because if Vanderbilt's on the floor, maybe Anthony Davis rolls hard into the lane and gets some gets gets a little bit behind Jokic. And and he, he rolled much harder in game three than he had in the first two games. And it worked. And there were a couple plays where Jokic was like a little worried about that lob and LeBron got a layup because Jokic wasn't, wasn't pulled over to help on LeBron. But if Vanderbilt's on the floor, they just don't have enough spacing to do much of anything. They don't trust him to guard Jokic the way they'll put Hachimura on Jokic and allow Anthony Davis to roam. That lineup that I mentioned is plus 34 in 46 minutes in the playoffs. It's plus 21 in 26 minutes in this series. It's actually their most used lineup in this series. It was plus six in 11 minutes in game three. And 11 minutes just isn't enough. Just start it. It's your best lineup. They didn't get to it until like four minutes left in the second quarter and then eight minutes left in the third quarter. It's just, it's their best lineup. They got to ride it more. And, you know, but the Nuggets have problem solved every look that they've given them. You know, Anthony Davis on Jokic, Rui on Jokic, LeBron on Jokic. They've gradually problem solved most of it they used Aaron Gordon more as a facilitator in game 3 to sort of make Anthony Davis pay for roaming off him or put the ball in his hands and he found Jokic on some cuts and Murray on some cuts it's been a really it's been a really well played series and you know some team somewhere will come back from 3-0 down in the NBA it will happen i don't really get the vibe that it's this Lakers team against this Nuggets team
1: i don't i mean i think it's 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 almost easier for i want to say easy but like for Boston to come back from 3-0 than for for, for Denver um, based on, you know, if you lose this, you know, you got game five at home and at worst you got game seven at home you know, and yeah, I think um, if it's either Monday or if it's Wednesday, I just think Denver at the, rea- at the reality of is the better team. And I think if you're the Lakers, like, you know, you're basically going to have to either, you're going to have to shorten this Like And I think you get a Darwin's at a point where, you know, you got to, Offend people. You got to hurt feelings here. And if it's D'Angelo Russell, who shot 29% in the field and 14% from three and has been average seven points, is not part of this group, then or Jared Vanderbilt is not part of this group, then you shrink the rotation down. You put your seven seven best players out there.
0: Let's talk about the Lakers offseason, Bobby. Yep.
1: The cap, I think, next year is
0: what? 133, 134. Uh, 134. Yeah. 134. All right, so 134. Let's do some Matthew and me. Yep. LeBron 46.9. Anthony Davis 40.6. That gets us to like 87.5 right off the bat. Mm-hmm. What are we down to? Whatever. 47, 46. Yeah, and then we got that cap hole. Wait, 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 we'll oh, we'll we'll oh, sorry. Oh, we'll sorry. Sorry. We'll,
1: we'll get there. We'll get there. 87. Yeah.
0: 87. Point, uh, 87.5. 4.7 for Vando. What are we up to now? No, are at 92. Yeah. 1.7 for Max Christie. Let's say we're up to 93, 94. What's Austin Reeves cap hold? 2-2. Two, uh, two, two. 96, let's say. Um, They have their first round pick, I believe, right? They do. 3-6. So let's just call it an even 100 at this point. Yeah. And then I've got like seven empty roster spots to fill probably.
1: Yep. So and, those, about- and, and those count as minimum holds. So that counts as uh let's say one mi- let's say say a million, right? Million each. that
0: gets us to one oh seven. So I the, and and I and I have to have Reeves. I have to have
1: Reeves. Mm-hmm. So his cap yeah, hold has to you're stay on fine. the percentage. And, and you can and how it you works is you keep the cap hold. If you want to go out and use room, you use room, you circle back, you sign Reeves, you can exceed the cap. So so
0: the most cap space I can realistically have. Let's say we even dump Vanderbilt somehow, and that gets me to 34-ish, right? Yeah, somewhere around there. 30, 30,
1: 32, Mm -hmm. 33, 34.
0: Yeah. That involves me renouncing Russell, Mm -hmm. which I'm okay with depending on what the opportunity is, Mm -hmm. and renouncing Hachimura, Mm -hmm. which hurts me Mm -hmm. no matter what the opportunity is. But that's what I have to do to get up to not max space, but like... Maybe this is palatable to someone who thinks of themselves as a max player, but really wants to come to Los Angeles space of 34 million. The the target is Kyrie Irving in theory. Now, I know it's been reported elsewhere over the year that the Lakers have washed their hands of the Kyrie Irving dream. I actually don't think that's true. I don't think they think it's likely. I don't think they'd be like psyched at the idea, but- if it really comes down to a choice of Hachimura or Kyrie, because I don't, I, I've lost interest in D'Angelo long term. If I'm the Lakers, maybe whatever. I think that's a choice you can you can feel okay about if it if it nets Kyrie Irving. Now I've heard that the Mavs, the buzz in Chicago the Mavs are really optimistic about retaining Kyrie Irving, but I don't think the Lakers have like totally thrown that idea in the trash. Am I missing anything in this scenario? I mean, maybe there are other free agents they can go and get, but that's the one that I think if you're going to, if you're going to renounce all this stuff, including Hachimura, I think that's the one maybe.
1: No, I agree. I mean, and I think if you're looking, if you're late, if you're a Laker fan, if you're looking at it from the big picture and you're watching this series, you're thinking, okay, it hurts losing Hachimura, but Vanderbilt hasn't played a much of a role and and uh, Deandre Russell hasn't played much of a role. So we're basically bringing Kyrie in, um, you know, we're basically going, you know, top heavy with those three players. We still have Austin Reeves. We still have our we have a first and a second. We've got our um, room mid level and we'll just build out there. Now, the, the hard part room, Zach, room mid level is a big yeah, deal. seven, don't, six, seven, and, six. And, well,
0: that's right. It's bigger than it used to be. Yeah.
1: So maybe you get Lonnie Walker back at that. I don't know. I'll just throw that out there. Um, the, the hard part now comes as, as far as um, uh, LeBron and AD have not played more than 65 games in the last three years. Right. So we're going back to the, we're going back to the veteran minimum game. So like, there's almost two different teams. Like I would love Kyrie in the playoffs for this group. I'd take Kyrie in the playoffs. Now, can you get there? Can you get through an 82 game regular season with these three players, veteran minimums, Austin Reeves, your draft picks, and just basically filling it out there. Right. Like that's going, that's the, for me, the big thing is, is that does this roster look like? when the playoffs start next season, right? Like, are you still in the same predicament where you're 43 and 39 and you're a playing team? Or can you, if everything breaks and you're healthy or you were in the top four and the top five, like that's, that's, you know, like regular season depth with playoff depth, right? Kyrie is playoff depth. Now, what else is left of your roster here as far as during the regular season? That's the hard part. I mean, like you could always, And this would, Zach, this would take Dallas's cooperation, right? You could always say, you know what? Sign and trade. Sign and trade. Um, Kyrie certainly starts to come at a discount. Like, let's say 30 30 million around there. We can keep Rui Hachimura. Now, here comes the hard part. What's outgoing? What is outgoing? Is it D'Angelo Russell outgoing? The contracts of... Um, Beasley and um, Mobamba, like, the, yeah, I'd love Mobamba Beasley. We'll give you the uh 17th pick in the draft, those are guaranteed before like, I think June 28th, right around there, right? So that's before even free agency starts. So, what is outgoing in salary? Does D'Angelo Russell and Jared Vanderbilt Oof, and uh, the 17th uh, pick in the draft, like, you know, like, so that's uh, that is the complicated mess. When uh, it comes to a sign and trade here, if you're if uh, the goal is to keep Rui on your roster here, like so, we're Austin Reeves can be is part of this no matter what, right? Like we're not removing him because his cap hold is so low, but if your goal is a tr- if, is to try to sign Rui, it's basically a sign and trade.
0: So let me let me just get let me just make clear what you what exactly you're pitching here. So I traded all this stuff for Porzingis.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then I traded poor Zingas for two guys who aren't on my team anymore. Well, no, one guy's still on the team. He just doesn't play for Tans. Then I let Jalen Brunson walk in free agency, totally disastrous situation. Who just the last time we saw him was putting up 40 something against the Heat. Then I trade what I have left for Kyrie Irving, who's an expiring contract. Then we fail and don't even make the playoffs in part because we lose our last two games on purpose. Then we clench our butt cheeks and keep our pick in the draft lottery. And now we're signing and trading Kyrie Irving for Mo Bamba, Jared Vanderbilt, D'Angelo Russell, and the 17th pick in the draft.
1: I just. Maybe we'll get, maybe we'll get picked 20. How much two, alcohol? Maybe 2029 20 also is included. <laughs> how much know. alcohol does it come with? Like, and does it come and, with a case of wine? And we're trading him to a – we're not trading him to the East. We're actually going to trade him to the West to a team that's in our conference. Just remember what I said earlier,
0: Mads fans, that the buzz in Chicago was that the Mads are confident they're going to retain Kyrie Irving. Obviously, they can offer him the most years and the most money. Good luck with that. Let's finish with Carmelo Anthony, by the yeah. way. I know you have it to go. Yep. Carmelo Anthony in a beautiful announcement today. Um, Formally told the world that he is retiring from professional basketball. He is the ninth all-time leading scorer in the NBA, 11th if you include the ABA. And I remember back when people were like, is he a Hall of Famer? And I'd be like, yeah, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, he may not have been everything that you wanted as a player, defensively, playmaking. Although I thought when, particularly when the Knicks put the ball in his hands and let him run pick and roll, he was pretty goddamn good at it. But man, could that dude cook. And man, could that dude score points. And there's a reason that every time he was a free agent and he mistimed his free agency with his buddies, who then joined up to go to Miami, every team wanted to get him because scoring one-on-one remains the most valuable skill in the NBA, provided you can create for others too. And he could do enough of that. congratulations to Carmelo on an incredible career. You have some Carmelo, um, memories you would like to share from your days with the Nets. Please, Oh do. man.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we, spent, uh, five months trying to go after him, uh, started in September of 2010. Remember this is when a young executive named Masai Ujiri took over in Denver. Um, many of us didn't knew of him, but didn't really know anything about him. And, Um, I mean, we started the dialogue trying to get Carmelo. We knew that, um, he wasn't, um, he wasn't, you know, happy in in Denver there. And, um, I had a, um, there's a journal or basically a notebook of trades. I still have that here. Like where myself and Pete D'Alessandro basically, who was the the assistant GM in Denver basically shared maybe 60, 70 different um different trade proposals during the whole process here and wow as I said it took life um it took many years off our life um <laughs> I always go back to the um the and I tweeted it the I found it on YouTube the Mikhail Prokhorov video um when he did the impromptu press conference I believe at the Prudential Center in um in nork because we had um at the time the nuggets had given us permission to meet with Carmelo in DC. Um, and things got haywire and Prokhorov came out and said the meeting goes off. No, the meeting with Car, I think he might have called him Carmela, um, as in Carmela Soprano. Um, Carmelo is off. And I remember leaving that um press conference walking with Billy King, who was our GM, and I said, Is it really off? And he's like, No, it's not off. Like <laughs> it's not, it's still gonna happen. And the funny part of this whole thing is that Carmelo was eventually traded to the Knicks, got into this huge bidding war. Um and we wound up getting Darren Williams, but five months later, um, we're at the uh, we had Chris Humphreys on our team, and we had gotten invited to their Kardashian wedding, right? And so me and my wife went to the Kardashian wedding, and I figured I wanted to wear this nice white tuxedo jacket, right? Stand out. And Carmelo rolls in, and he's got the same white tuxedo jacket on. And I went up to him, and I said you took six months off my life and now you show up wearing the same, like, can you just let me enjoy the white tuxedo? And we had a good laugh about it there. But, um, I mean, we were willing to give up basically everything. Um, you know, we had so many draft picks back then that we had acquired for him because he, we thought that, and I think he, he you know, certainly his time in New York was uneven a little bit, but man, he, what a great score, what a great player. And he'll, you know, he'll be in the hall of fame one day.
0: As soon as he's, as soon as he's eligible, and to put a bow on it, um, one of the draft picks that the Knicks traded, or one of the draft pick rights, a swap right, that the Knicks traded to the Nuggets in that deal, do you know who it became?
1: No, uh, who did it become?
0: Jamal Murray. Oh, that's right. They swapped from, I think, I don't remember how high they swapped They swapped up to seven, which was the Knicks pick to get Jamal Murray, if my, if my transaction log on pro sports transactions is correct. Bobby Marks, you got to go. Thank you for going through the conference finals and all the implications with me. Whoo! What a, what a, what a short, what a short week of conference finals action. Hopefully one of these teams can extend it. Give us some hoops. Give us some hoops. Give us some drama. Give us a little tension. Cause all it takes is two wins. Remember Philly over Toronto 3-0 just last year? Toronto won two games and all of a sudden it was like DEFCON one for Philly. Maybe we can get, maybe we can speak that into existence. I don't care which one. I don't care who I have no rooting interest. Just like if it gets to three, two, all of a sudden, it's like, Whoa, Whoa,
1: Bobby Marks. Thank you, sir. Thanks Zach. Appreciate it.
0: And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream TV satellite-free.
1: You see this? A family watching baseball on TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds.
0: Direct TV has the most MLB games. Call one 800 TV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.